Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. My thanks to colleague Barry O'Mahony for taking care of the program while I was away. In this program, we look back on some of the interviews which were broadcast in 2023. But first, a very important reminder that the Dairy Gold Annual Tillage Conference takes place on Friday, 12th of January, 2024. Venue will be Corrin Event Centre for Moy, County Cork, P61, EE37. Trade stands from 12 noon, speakers from 2 p.m. Theme of the Dairy Gold Annual Tillage Conference 2024 will be Building Resilience into Your Tillage Business. And that's on Friday, January 12th, 2024, Corrin Event Centre for Moy County Cork, P61, EE37. Ms. Gronia Hurley, Chargisk Advisory Service, spoke to Barry O'Mahony regarding business in 2023 and looking forward to prospects for 2024. First, Gronia reflects on how the sheep sector did in 2023. Um, we saw that sheep meat output volume is marginally up in 23, and the average sheep income on sheep farms in 23, which is again further supported by payments, which is the sheep improvement scheme, is estimated to be about 17,000, which is about 4% higher than the previous year in 2022. Look at tillage, um, the Irish seal, seal yields were, were down significantly this year. Um, in 23, uh, due to the very poor weather we had um, from last past during the growing season, and again at harvest time as well, which was quite difficult for a lot of tillage farmers. The spring barley crop and the winter wheat crop were particularly affected, with the yield per acre down as much as 21% and 14% respectively. Um, so quite significant there. Um, the Irish cereal harvest prices were also down over about 30% this year compared to price in 22, which reflected an increase grain availability internationally due to favourable weather conditions in, in key production regions worldwide. Um, we also saw that some costs such as fertiliser fell in price over the course of 23, um, but the decline can, it came really too late in the growing season to bring both significant changes for, for benefit for those using farmers. Um, so again, we think that fair farmers, they, they, again, they have benefited from a range of support measures in 23. Um, the average tillage farm income is forecast to be approximately 60% lower this year, they've been 22, been quite significant, and this would bring their this would bring the average income of the system down to about 30,000 income. Um, and that's just to be at the pig sector. Um, the pigs unfortunately incurred substantial losses in 2021 and, and 2022 due to low pig prices and record high feed and energy prices. However, Irish pig prices rose substantially this year, returning the sector to profitability. However, the output volume was down in, in 2023, reflecting the contraction in the sow herd, which had occurred in response to recent financial difficulties in the sector. And it's estimated that margin overfeed in 2023 will be in around 69 cents per kilo, which is above the five-year average. Um, so the, the average farm income in 2023 is estimated to be down 44% to just under 24,800 but this, discre- this decrease is most entirely down to the drop in income experienced by the dairy and the 
victories across the board. And Ms. Gronia Hurley, Chagas Advisory Service, weighs up the prospects for 2024. Yeah, the report gives, again, I suppose, it gives some indication of what we're looking for in 24. Um, modest economic growth projected at global level, reflecting the current high interest rates environment in Europe and, and America, and forecasts for more limited growth in international trade. However, the range of geopolitical uncertainties we've seen, we look at the news all the time, uh, affecting the economic outlook has increased, which means that the forecast for economic growth could be subject to change, obviously, you know. Um, the reduction in input prices has emerged um, that emerged in this year in 2023 could may persist into 20, next year, meaning that input costs for 2024 as a whole should be lower than, than this year. A large drop in fertiliser prices is forecast in next year, um, with smaller reduction in energy prices and feed prices are anticipated. However, overhead costs are set to remain relatively unchanged on the 2024 level, uh, as general inflation slows, increases in the price of other input items should return to a more normal level. Um, the report indicates that um, Irish milk prices are likely to rise in 2024 by 10% as the global milk production growth slows and demand growth improves. The average milk price um, in 2024 should increase to just under 48 cents per litre is what's predicted in that report. So margins for next year should improve as producers also benefit from a slight drop in production alongside that milk price increase. Um, so this forecast will average a dairy farming income in 2024 of 86,000, which would be represent a 46% increase on the estimated income level for 2023 on the dairy side. In terms of cattle then for next year, uh, the report forecast to increase marginally, again, the cattle prices to increase marginally next year, and it forecasts that um, for a 3% increase in both cattle prices and young cattle prices in 24 relative to this year, while production costs will also, as I said with the dairy, will also be expected to ease off slightly. So average incomes um, for a forecast to rise in cash farms also in 2024 would increase, again in the report, of about 12% in prospects for cattle rearing farms, about 11,500, and an increase of 8%. For other cattle farms, twenty thousand. Um, so, in terms of sheep and lamb prices for next year, on the report, lamb prices next year are forecast to remain uh, at the current level at the twenty twenty three levels, with a forecast for declines in the production costs, coupled with additional support for the sheep sector. The average income on sheep farms is forecasted to increase by about eight percent, bringing the average income to about eighteen thousand three hundred for for sheep farms for twenty twenty four. In terms of cereal, then the forecast and um, the prices are forecast to be marginally higher at harvest for 2024, under the assumption that the trend yields are achieved. And um, yields in 24 would be up on the 23 level. And again, I spoke about what difficulty we had this year in terms of, of weather factors. Um, and factoring factoring also reduction in production costs across other systems mentioned there. The, the average tillage income is forecast to increase by over six percent, um, up to fifty thousand. Farm income and tillage farms. In terms of pigs, then, um, the, the outlook report um, forecast that the Irish pig prices are continue, will look to continue to decrease in 2024 by 11%. And a modest drop in production costs forecast again. So Irish pig production is expected, pig production is expected to increase slightly in 2024, and the margin overfeed should drop to 61 cents per kilo. 
So, um, on all the, the average farm income in 2024 is forecast to increase. So, overall, across all sectors, increased by 30% to ter- just over 32,000. But the increase would be largely by, um, by improving comes off the dairy and, and its tillage sectors predominantly. Um, so, look, all, all these income calculations are in nominal terms, and this means they don't factor in the general inflation and the impact that this has on the purchasing power of incomes earned in agriculture. Um, so, again, like no, again, there's, there's all some leeway of, of changes within those. Thank you, Gronia. Ms. Gronia Hurley, Chagask Advisory Service, speaking to Barry O'Mahony, forecasting prospects for agriculture in 2024. All stakeholders must have an active role in prescribing and supplying antiparasitic products, according to an IFA statement issued on December 21, 2023. The IFA National Animal Health Committee Chair, Mr TJ Marr, said it's important that all stakeholders in the prescribing and supply chain of antiparasitic products have an active role in ensuring farmers continue to be facilitated in competitively sourcing these products. TJMR said, drafting of the SI is ongoing, and this will determine, he said, amongst other key issues for farmers, the prescribing process for antiparasitic products. Mr. TJMR said, farmers fully support the appropriate and targeted use of these products on farms. Access to these, when needed, could not be impeded by unnecessary constraints, he contended, on prescribers or suppliers of these products, which would diminish competition or add costs to the farmers' bills. The IFA National Animal Health Chair, Mr TJ Marr, said it's critical that consistency of the right advice and information from all actors would be available in this chain for all cattle and sheep farmers. He said this message could not be diluted or tailor-based on economic interests of any of the service providers, be they veterinary practitioners or licensed merchants. The IFA chair said key issues for farmers deciding on parasitic control strategies is firstly to identify if there is a need in the first place for treatment. If there is a need, he said, then it's important the correct products be used with emphasis on identifying resistance and also considering withdrawal periods for the product dependent on the category of animal and sales plans for those animals. Mr TJMR said, when treating animals, the correct dose rates are critically important as this can extend withdrawal periods. Where animals are close to slaughter, the actual benefits of any treatment should be considered as the costs most likely would outweigh any performance benefits. He went on to say the construct of the SI is important to ensure all actors in the chain are delivering the correct and most beneficial message for farmers in farm parasitic control. On Saturday, 2nd of December 2023, Miss Hazel Mullins, newly elected President of Veterinary Ireland, spoke to the Farm Talk programme. And that interview is next on Farm Talk. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, we have Miss Hazel Mullins, highly qualified uh, veterinary surgeon. Miss Hazel Mullins, the incoming National President of Veterinary Ireland. First of all, congratulations, Hazel, on achieving this very high office. Now, your AGM took place recently, and indeed, you can speak from the farmer's point of view because you have close connections with County Cork and farming in County Cork, I understand. Hello, John. Thank you very much for that introduction. Yes, I am a dairy farmer's daughter and I've just gone into partnership 
also in February with my dad um, in Carrigan So I am a proud dairy farmer um, and also a proud uh, large animal vet as well. That's wonderful. Now, at your recent AGM, I understand uh, Minister Burke opened uh, the AGM, but would you outline to our listeners some of the main topics which were aired at the AGM? And, of course, I understand this is a very special week, Antimicrobial Awareness Week 23. So just to touch on some of the main topics which came to the fore at the AGM. Yes, so Minister Burke gave a wonderful speech highlighting all of the important work that uh, the veterinary profession uh, does in Ireland and the work that's ongoing every day. And as you mentioned, it was Antimicrobial Resistance Week, and it's a very important week in our calendar. There's lots of educational um, webinars and, and the like being put on by the department. And I suppose we've all, like I graduated in 2013, and antimicrobial resistance was a huge topic when I was in university, and I suppose it's been part of my uh, course since I, I since I graduated. So it, it's always been in the back of our minds. It's always it's always there every day when we're prescribing. Um, luckily, like we've been doing really well, Ireland is um, is doing really well with their reduction of antimicrobials. I think the the target Minister Burke also highlighted this was five percent per annum. But I think we're we're nearly at a 26% reduction um, now compared to 2020 levels in Ireland of antibiotics. So it's a super progression in the right direction um, for the Irish veterinary um, industry. So yeah, and also he also remarked on how we're protecting animal health and welfare. Um, again, with prohibition on ear cropping in dogs and also um, welfare concerns about certain types of breeds, such as flat breeds, etc. Um, but the, um, he also mentioned about the changes in legislation and how that is going to be a changing world within the veterinary and farming community over the next, um, next year and how that we all need to work together to make sure that uh, it's a smooth transition for the changes and that each, re- each sector is fairly representative. EU legislation, how will that affect farmers? Could you say something to explain to farmers how all of this is being done with a view to protecting animal health, human health, one word being on guard against antimicrobial resistance and indeed as a dairy farmer you'd be aware one of the impacts of AMR antimicrobial resistance is selective dry cow therapy. So just a word or two, how the new EU laws would affect farmers but not necessarily interfere with their um, treatment of animals? Yeah, so I think the, the new EU regulations come into, have come into place um, and they are there to protect both um, animal welfare, human, well, you know, animal health, human health and welfare in the one health bracket. So reducing antimicrobial resistance in the animal population will correspond to reducing antimicrobial resistance in the human population. So it's a really, really important um, step that we do. For farmers, it means that no longer um, prophylactic use of antibiotics is prohibited. So that means the blanket dry cow treatment. So it means that um, only animals that are infected require an an antibiotic tube, um, say in the dry cow process. So it would mean that any cow over 200 you know, uh, cell count would be classed as infected. So it's working with your vet to pick out those cows that are actually 
very clean and they don't need antibiotics and that's to ensure that you're making you know hygiene a real priority on the farm as well to make sure that when there's no antibiotics there that not new infection is going to cause um, any more you know harm on the farm so look it is a big step and um, it is in place already for the antimicrobials there is other um, regulations coming in with the anti-parasitics and again the changes are there to protect the, the welfare of the animal and making sure that resistance to antiparasitics as well isn't going to take over because in some parts of the world no anti, no antiparasitics work and then farming is very much affected and we need to protect the medications that we have, the dosing that we have and make sure that they're used correctly. So this is why that a prescription from your vet and um, making sure that it's used in the correct way at the correct time and at the correct dose is essential. And we are told that uh, tens of thousands of people die globally from mm. infections, simple infections, because resistant germs have taken over. And formerly, where you were able to treat uh, certain kinds of infections in humans, not just animals, in fact, even a scratch, if you don't have an antibiotic that works, well, then this is a threat to, to human health, and it's in all our interests. We would tighten up and reduce certain types of remedies, for example, with selective dry cow therapy, in the old days, people would dose all their cows or double dose them to be on the safe side. Whereas, as you've said earlier there, Hazel, you've pointed out that only those animals needing, only animals over a certain SEC count would be uh, dosed and all the other animals um, would not be dosed. So eventually, hopefully, you might find very little need to be dosing cattle as a result of the implementation of a selective dry cow therapy. Exactly, John. And it's it's also confidence and it's talking with your vet and working out what what cows can only will be very eligible for sealer only treatment or ones that are needing the sealer and antibiotic treatment. So it is working with your vet, there is a dry cow consultation that you can sign up to with Animal Health Ireland. There is a lactation consult if you're having um, you know, trouble in general with mastitis on your farm. So there's lots of help out there to help farmers get through this transition and, you know, make it successful on the farm. There's plenty of farmers out there that have been using selective dry cow for many, many years and it's a, been a great success. But it has to be done right and it has to be done in coordination and conjunction with your vet and advice and not just, I think, some farmers um, perhaps maybe, you know, treated less like did you see her only on too many cows at one stage and maybe didn't consult with their vet um, and, you know, things can go wrong then. So it really is a, a two-way process of, of communication between your, the farmer and the vet to make sure this all works. And it can work and it has been shown to work, but it just needs to be done in the right way and hygiene needs to be top class as well. And it should be, you know, we need to be preventing these infections on farm we need to be reducing the antibiotics, and then this is also going to be benefiting, you know, the human health. And um, we all need to be, if we if we're getting antibiotics from the doctor for ourselves, we need to be taking them correctly and making sure we're finishing the dose. And when we're dosing our animals with antibiotics, using antibiotics from the vet, we need to be doing, treating the animals in the correct way that the vet has prescribed as well. So it it all, um, you know, combination of everything that will reduce the antibiotics and reduce antimicrobial resistance. 
very important Ireland would uh, retain the image of a food-producing country, a safe food-producing countries. We look to some recent figures announced for 2022, a massive 19 billion euro in Irish agri-food and drink exports. And that has to point to the financial value of having a healthy livestock and a good reputation. And again, another honour or status heaped on Ireland, the PGI status, uh, that our beef, certain beef, would be grazed most of the year outside, not on feedlots. Yeah, exactly. We have a wonderful agricultural industry. We need to protect it and we need to make sure that going forward that we were able to hold our head up high and say that we are doing all of these things um, within the law and within, you know, the European regulations and we're succeeding. And it just shows, like, with the figures that are already out there, um, it shows that we're actually, like, surpassing um, what we need to be doing. So it's brilliant. And we, we it just shows that farmers have, you know, embraced these changes and it's nothing to be scared of. Um, and it's, again, confidence building and also... It's just a, it's a great story, actually, how we've, we've succeeded so far, but there's a lot more to go. Insurers we keep that reputation for clean food, etc., leading to that massive 19 billion euro figure for exports 2022. Exactly, John. Just to mention the outgoing president, your predecessor, about what was achieved during the office of the outgoing president of Veterinary Ireland, Mr. Paul McDermott. Paul, I took over the role from Paul McDermott um, as President of Veterinary Ireland and I am, it was an honour and a privilege to um, take on the role from such a, a wonderful man, um, a wonderful vet and he is, has made a real impact over the last year in, in the role. He organised a um, conference, uh, the Future of Veterinary, uh, which was held in Tullamore and it was uh, held specifically for the smaller interest groups in Veterinary Ireland, the local authority, education, research and industry and the state sector. And it was a fantastic success. So I think it's going to happen again next year. So that's a real legacy of Paul. Um, and also he brought, he organised roundtables events for the members of, of Veterinary Ireland um, to discuss matters and make sure that we were all uh, working together which is fantastic, and he's, yeah, he's, he's really left a, a very positive mark on the organisation, and I hope to continue his good work um, in, the, in the year ahead. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme. Ms Hazel Mullins, highly qualified veterinary surgeon, Ms Hazel Mullins, the incoming president of Veterinary Ireland. Hazel, thank you very much indeed, and good luck during your presidency of Veterinary Ireland. Thank you very much, Hazel. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Vegetable import substitution could be a great boost for Irish farmers and the Irish economy in general. Mr John Geary of Blackwater Valley Growers told the Farm Talk programme that his organisation, consisting of the Blackwater Valley Growers Group and other farmers, are attempting to grow the right type of potatoes suitable for making into chips. Up to now, high-quality potatoes from the UK are imported for chips. And this could be a surprise for many people, realising we don't or haven't been producing enough of the right kind of potatoes. Um, that's right, John. Yeah, look, I suppose three years ago we were um, we were approached by 
both BA and the Department of Agriculture to um, to just look at. We had some goals that were going. Um, I'm involved with a company as well, um, Midafresh Foods, that we process chipping potatoes. So we were going potatoes already with a number of goals. So we we said we expand our acreage and look at um, uh, in, um, supplementing our growing chipping potatoes, basically. So, I don't know, as you said, a lot of people aren't aware we import between sixty and 70,000 tonne of potatoes every year from the UK for our chip shops. So, um, these are specific varieties that are suitable for chips, like Maris Piper and Marquise. So, we looked at it. We were growing these potatoes for our processing facilities. So, we said, why not grow them as a substitute, an import substitute for for um, the UK imports? So, so basically, with the help of Board Beer, uh, three years ago we set up a pilot project in the southeast, where we um, we started, we brought in the seed, and we started growing these potatoes with with our local growers. So we farm under the all the growers farm under the Blackwater Valley Group, and we have approximately this year we'll have around ten thousand ton of potatoes growing. So these potatoes will be either go for processing for fresh chips or the fresh chip market directly into chip shops. So the um, currently it's it worked well. We've increased over the last three years we've increased our records every year so we hope to market um between what we'll process and what we'll into twenty five kilo bag we hope to market around ten thousand ton this year. Could I ask you John to please uh, confirm that figure I think you gave of in 2022, over 50,000 tonnes of shipping yeah. potatoes imported into this country. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, look, it would be, um, it would have been pushing 70,000 at one stage, but um, it would be, yeah, like traditionally, I suppose the East Coast of England, Cambridgeshire and those places would be huge potato growers for the chip market. And I suppose they would have been imported into Ireland for the chip shop trade over the years but there's no reason what we when we looked at it from a economy point of view and from you know the soil types here it's very similar we can grow that product here we can grow those varieties here and i suppose the big thing is they can be grown but the storage facilities is critical you know to keep the the quality right so um this year now the department of agriculture have put some grant aid for farmers together to that they um they basically can put up these storage and handling facilities and automate it to, to, I suppose, to challenge the UK imports, you know, but it seems a shame that we will not grow these potatoes here in Ireland on a big in a, on a bigger scale. We marked on Friday, October the 6th, as uh, Board Beer's National Potato Day. That's, that's right, John, yeah. I suppose, look, traditionally Ireland... We would have been a potato-growing nation, and as you said, a lot of people haven't aware that we, you know, you go into your normal chip shops, and a lot of people haven't aware. I know Bob Beer have done a, a survey there two years ago asking people were they aware that, we, you know, that they're eating imported potatoes, and, and 80% of the people weren't aware of this. So it's, it's, um, it's something that Bob Beer have got behind and they're promoting it, and I suppose actively looking for extra acreage to be grown for chipping potatoes. And it's a working progress. You know, it's something that will take a few years 
to get confidence in the Irish potato that it can do the same job as UK imported potato. Because, like I suppose, in fairness, what comes in here is a good product. So we, you know the, what what has been imported from the UK for these shipping potatoes. It, it is a, it is a premium potato. So we have to match that with quality, and we have to extend our our supply period that we put up cold storage and and storage facilities that we can harvest the potatoes, put them into storage, and have a continuity of potatoes that we can supply 12 months a year. And like Board B have got behind this, plus the Department of Agriculture, and I think, you know, it will take a few years for this to happen, but it's, it's work in progress. Now, John, if anyone's inspired by what you've done, if anyone's inspired by the efforts of your group of farmers to produce just the right type of uh, chips, if any farmer wants to inquire about you know, joining your group, are you open to new members? And would you like to you know, talk to people who feel, look, they want to play their part in reducing imports? I mean, import substitution, that's a key element in Ireland because we hear continually of carrots coming from tens of thousands of miles away, potatoes from Chile, etc. So do you invite people to inquire about joining your strict quality control group? Yes, we do, John, yeah. I suppose currently we're we're looking at both ends of it. I suppose we're looking for customers and we're looking for growers. But, like, we have, with our current 15, 16 growers, we, we are increasing them. You know, I suppose traditionally we're looking for tillage growers that want to get involved in the potato industry or we're looking for existing growers that will increase their acreage. And I suppose we have set up with a number of growers in the group where they have a storage and a grading and automated robotized grading facilities. So it's it'll be a combination of, I suppose, marketing the product, I suppose growing them first, making sure the from an economy an economist point of view, we have a full time agronomist with up between ourselves and O'Shea Farms that is developing these goals, showing them how to grow these particular varieties and the next step then is is storage, which the Department of Agriculture this year have funded some extra storage facilities and give grant aid for building new storage facilities. And then the marketing of it, I suppose, with the help of board beer, and I suppose the big thing is convincing existing chip shops that the Irish potato can do exactly the same job as what they've been doing it. But um, we have... um, that's work in progress, you know, but we have taken on, I suppose recently we took on a, a famous cock um, chip shop chain, um, Dino's, which um, are gone solely over to Irish potatoes and using, and every potato they're using in their in their shops are, is grown within 30 kilometres of, the, of their shops. So it's from a sustainable point of view, and I suppose to eliminate imports it's you know it ticks a lot of boxes and it makes financial sense as well you know i'd say from a grower point of view i think it's it's an attractive cop to go and i suppose it's just to get the marketing every element of advice that it gets to the chip shop and the quality to produce an excellent chip i suppose is the key you know but it's it's as i said it's work in progress you know so Speaking to Mr. John Geary, Managing Director of Meadow Fresh and also involved in the Blackwater Valley area group of 15 Cork and Waterford farmers. 
John, is there a website or a phone number where people wanted to find out more about these Irish uh, potatoes you're producing to cater for the correct type of uh, chip used by the chip shops? So have you phone numbers or contacts with people? Yes, yes we have, John, yeah. You, we can be we're available there on the website if anyone Googles meadowfreshfoods.com um, and there's a section just solely dedicated to... Um, to Irish chipping potatoes and what's involved, and I suppose what we have doing, we we've created a number of brands. I suppose Blackwater Valley is the is the producer group that we're operating under. Growers, I'm a grower myself as well, as well as being involved with Meadowfish. But and we have a number of different brands as well for different areas of the country that we we want to market it. But uh, our website is. Um, it's www.meadowfishfoods.com. So all information regarding our contact details and our what we are doing and just traceability, as I suppose, as, as providing a, an import substitute potato. So all the information would be available on, on our website. Yeah. Yeah. It was Walter Raleigh who brought the first potato to Ireland. Yeah, I suppose part of the, the name that we got from the Blackwater, it was, it was taken from... As I said, Walter Raleigh was the, the first man to import the potatoes or supposed to be, you know, brought potatoes into Ireland. And I suppose, look, the Blackwater River passes by y'all. And that was, you know, the, the group came from, from that. And I suppose, look, it is, is it a traditional East Cork with water for all that? Even we have some other growers in other areas as well, but it's a traditional, you know, uh, veg and potato growing area, you know, with the finest of land that, and it, I suppose it has a lot of um, pluses for the area, yeah, but I suppose the, the tradition, I suppose, from from a Yarl point of view and so Walter Raleigh, it was um, yeah, it, it was, the Blackwater group was formed, basically, from taking that into account, yeah. And just to, to wrap up then, speaking to Mr. John Geary, Managing Director of Meadow Fresh, and also a member of the Blackwater Valley Growers, 15 Cork and Waterford-based uh, uh, farmers who produce this uh, chipping potato, the right kind of potato for chip shops. But going back further, I think we could go back in time and the very origin of potatoes is Peru, I understand, where it was cultivated by the native Inca American people and the still South American Indians. They still have thousands of varieties which they manage very, very carefully the genetics uh, the Indians still do in Peru, in South America? Uh, that's right, yeah. I suppose they originated, I suppose, uh, um, the historians tell us that to so Walter Raleigh got these potatoes and varieties and brought them to Ireland, but I suppose over the years, a lot of work has been done in Ireland and in Oak Park and Tagusk, developing varieties, and I suppose these chipping varieties are slightly different to... Um, traditional varieties of potato like wear potatoes or like cuppings or golden wonders these are so these are specific varieties for processing that chip and cook uh, you know slightly differently and they have to be stored different they have to be uh, maintained at different temperatures that uh, you maintain the cooking quality because uh, you know your tradition if if a chip burns it's the starch content in the potato is affected so you have to keep your sugar levels at a at a certain level so that you get a premium quality chip so there's a bit of science involved as well as progress from the years back from 
you know, just the traditional varieties, but uh, it's it's all something that the Irish farmer is well capable of doing, and we've proved it over the last two or three years that it can be done here. I suppose it's something that um, we just have to build on, you know, and and and, uh, and by doing that, we'll just have to increase the acreage and improve our storage facilities, our handling facilities, um, you know, making it more uh, robotized, I suppose, and that's that will be to progress the industry, you know, which is it's it's a forty million industry, you know, that the Irish can produce these potatoes, you know, but, but between storage facilities, handling, transport, growing the potatoes, plus it's an import substitute, it can be done here in Ireland, and it, you know, it should be something that we we should be doing, you know, it's not something, I suppose, as a traditional potato-growing nation, you know, realistically, we shouldn't be importing these quantities of potatoes. Well, John, speaking there to Mr. John Geary, Managing Director of Meadow Fresh and also a member of the 15-strong Blackwater Valley group of farmers. Every good luck with your import substitution because we feel it's a shame sometimes if we go to the shops and realise how many of those vegetables and flowers and things which we could grow ourselves are actually imported. So that's great news, John, and uh, every good luck with your substitution campaign to produce more chipping potatoes which will be gobbled up by Irish people but used by the chip shops in place of imported uh, produce. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a Thank million. you very much, John. All stakeholders must have an active role in prescribing and supplying antiparasitic products according to a statement from the nation's largest farming organisation. IFA National Animal Health Chair, Mr TJ Marr, said... It's important all stakeholders in the prescribing and supply chain of antiparasitic products would have an active role in ensuring farmers continue to be facilitated in competitively sourcing these products. Drafting of the SI is ongoing, and this will determine, amongst other key issues for farmers, the prescribing process for antiparasitic products. TJMR said, as farmers, we fully support the appropriate and targeted use of these products on our farms. Access to these, when needed, cannot be impeded by what he called unnecessary constraints on prescribers or suppliers of these products which diminish competition or add costs. The IFA National Animal Chair said, what's critical is to achieve in this process there is a consistency of the right advice and information from all actors in the chain to all cattle and sheep farmers. He said this message could not be diluted or tailor-based on economic interests of any of the service providers, be they veterinary practitioners or licensed merchants. He said key issues for farmers deciding on parasitic control strategies is firstly to identify if there is actually a need for treatment. If there is a need then, it's important that the correct product will be used with emphasis on identifying resistance and also considering withdrawal periods for the product dependent on the category of animal and sales plans for these animals. When treating animals, the correct dose rates are critically important as this can extend withdrawal periods. TJ Marr said... Where animals are close to slaughter, the actual benefits of any treatment should be considered as the costs most likely would outweigh any performance benefits. The IFA National Animal Health Chair, Mr. T.J. Marr, said the construct of the SI is important 
to ensure all actors in the chain are delivering the correct and most beneficial message for farmers in farm parasite control. That statement from the IFA National Animal Health Chair, Mr TJ Marr. Publication of the National Biomethane Strategy has been delayed until later this year, 2024. The strategy is set to provide a roadmap to achieving the government's target of building over 200 anaerobic digestion plants in the next six years. Initially slated for release in October of 2023, the strategy's publication was first delayed until the end of 23, but now isn't expected until January 2024. KPMG was tasked with developing the strategy, which involved discussions with 60 consultees across 36 different groups over the past six months. These groups included anaerobic digestion and biomethane developers, state bodies, as well as entities on both the supply and demand sides. The strategy is now finalised and awaits submission to the government for approval the Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, Mr Stephen Robb, has been covering the issue in the journal. Back on the 28th of September 2023, Mr Dermot Kelleher, National President of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, spoke to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme about a severe accident which had occurred on his farm when dealing with cattle. At the time Dermot spoke to the farm programme, he was well recovering from the accident but certainly he sounded a warning note when dealing with cattle. Dermot, welcome to the programme. Now, you've been recovering. You had a serious farm accident, a warning to all of the farmers. Would you please confirm the circumstances of your accident? Well, John, I suppose it's like this. We were living out, but because out of the yard, out of one of the yards, uh, we really have test, and he had to go right, and my son was bringing half or something on the side. And to make sure the heifers wouldn't get mixed in, when I opened the gate and the gate opens out, I came back in, I walked back in, and I'm not bothered what I'm doing. I have done before, but sometimes I'd walk away out before them to the corner, but I walked in along to make sure the cows were gone, and there was um, a walking beside a cow, a big jolly cow, but four or five more cows tried to pass them out the gate, and the whole atom squeezed me up against the wall, John. And I had five fractured ribs, and I was well swollen and well swelled, and but I'm getting over it. I, I'm a lot better now. But I, I, got, I got a fair good squeezing, John. Now, Dermot, is there any precaution farmers could take, a fairly simple precaution, which could very well have averted the accident? You say you, you usually carry a stick, but uh, you weren't carrying one on that occasion. I had the stick kept on my hand, and I opened the gate, and I didn't catch it in my hand again. And if I had the stick in my hand, that wouldn't have been as brave, John. But that's what happens when you, when you stop thinking and you're in a, in a hurry, John. And... Look, what can I say? <laughs> we're testing cattle now over 20, four or five years, but then my, like my grandmother was saying, I'll go to the jungle, go to the wheel, and get, go to the well to get broken in the end. Um, I took a chance I shouldn't have taken them. Quite kind of cattle, really. They weren't crossed, but no, they all they tried to... They, yeah, they were to drive cows down. So a lot of my calves since. There were a lot of calves down the last couple of weeks, but they were walking out, out towards the gate and... Um, they can't just squeeze me up against the wall, but they didn't, they didn't attack me or anything. It was just one of the worst things. If I was a cow, it would have been all right, but I wasn't. I was only a human being, so I, I suffered. You don't actually believe in using the stick very much uh, with uh, cattle, but these no, are poor animals. No, I would, I would, I would, you would say whatever stick in your hand. Um, 
first off, think that's another thing. You're going to miss the No, you don't have to go go walloping. I don't, I don't think I ever... I wouldn't lay a hand on a stick at all. I don't believe in it, but... If I had a stick in my hand, they probably wouldn't have been as brave to try and pass me out. Do you know what I mean? Of course. That's the only thing I can think of if I had my stick in my hand. It might have been happened as fast. I'd have gone two or three more steps. I'd have been away, like, do you know what I mean? Probably when there was a bit around and a bit of commotion going on, the other side, I didn't wait. I'm, I'm, over, I'm over here. And um, I walked between a cow and the wall. I had my hand up, up, up on her back. But... Trotting that cow till about four more cows came on the other side of her and pushed her up against me. They all squeezed together. I suppose now we all get a bit complacent. But I won't forget it for, 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 for a point. But just that people, you forget. You don't realize how strong animals are. And you don't realize how strong the power they have. Like, you know what I mean? What was the extent of your damage in terms of your ribs? I fractured five ribs. And I was all black and blue down... Down nearly down my thigh, all the way down my side, it was all black and blue, and I got a good squeezing. My stomach and my, even the doctor said my spleen got a bit of a squeezing, but I am improving big time now. Well, that's great, Jordan. Well, thank you very much indeed, Dermot. A lesson there, a reminder to people, regardless of how busy you are, always try and keep your wits about you, because it's, it's essential that even the simplest thing with cattle who aren't bad shepherds. The start for farming is a lonely operation and most of the time. And a lot, lot of us in sucking and dry stock farming are getting old, sheep and suckers. And as you know, we are classed as the poor the relation by the daily outfits and the bigger the bigger biz- businesses. But like, we all have to make a living, but sometimes you try to do, do too much. Thank you, Dermot. Mr. Dermot Kelleher, National President of ICSA, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. The Dairy Gold Annual Tillage Conference 2024 is taking place on Friday, 12th of January 2024 at the Corrin Event Centre for Moy County Cork, P61EE37. That's on Friday, 12th of January. Doors open from 12 noon. Trade stands from 12 noon. Speakers from 2 p.m. The Dairy Gold Annual Tillage Conference 2024 with a theme of Building Resilience into Your Tillage Business. Amongst the key contributors to the Dairy Gold Annual Tillage Conference 2024 will be Andy Doyle, former Irish Farmers Journal tillage expert. He will act as facilitator. Mr Owen Lowry, Head of Agriculture at Bank of Ireland will speak. He'll discuss the challenges and risks in modern-day farming with special emphasis to tillage, along with other farming activities. Owen Lowry will address the commercial exposure that can develop and suggest ways that should be considered to mitigate these risks in tillage. Other contributors will be William and Robert Coleman, Tillage Farmers, Cantorkin, County Cork. W&R Coleman have adapted to changing times on their family-run farm with their extensive knowledge on soil and crop management techniques. Viewed as ambassadors in their field, and they're recognised for their tillage and dry stock farming efforts as they promote a more natural way of farming. And that's the contribution from William and Robert Coleman, Tillage Farmers Canturk in County Cork. Also contributing, Mr. Kieran Collins, Chagas Tillage Specialist for Southern Ireland. Kieran's paper will present on the area of, quote, knowing your costs and we'll be able to debate and support the figures with accurately produced figures from recently published Chagask Monitor Farmers. 
This will be an informative insight for all tillage operations. And that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to all who contributed to this programme and to other programmes throughout 2023. To our guests, and in particular to the Irish Farmers Journal correspondents who have contributed on a regular basis. To Mr Barry O'Mahony, Head of News, 96FM and C103. To Ms Marie Tuig, creator of the regular Farm Talk podcast. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. The Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am on Saturday mornings and on Wednesday evenings from 10pm to 11pm. Also available in podcast form on the C103 homepage. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.